therapies. Anyways, let's go. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out and away we go. Hello everybody, welcome back to the Cut to the Race podcast, the weekly show covering the news, views and opinions of the F1 world. I'm joined once again by Jay and Charlotte. How are you guys? Very good, Dan. It was a very exciting British Grand Prix, so I'm still buzzing off of that. Yeah, I'm also doing really good, thanks. Uh, it was really nice to meet you on Sunday, Dan, and blooming love to the race. Thought it was absolutely amazing. It was. Some people from the Formula Nerds finally met each other since lockdown is over and we could go somewhere with actual humans, and that was brilliant. And the race was a bit of a banger as well. Whether you were there or whether you were watching it on TV, I don't think you can argue that the race wasn't good. But it was a little bit controversial after lap one, wasn't it? When Lewis Hamilton dove down the inside of Max Verstappen at Cops Corner and Verstappen flew into the barriers. There's been quite a bit of aftermath from that incident. Plenty of aftermath. I mean, as you'd expect, you know, the team bosses, Mr. Toto Wolf and Christian Horn, have been stirring that pot like their name was Nigella Lawson. So you sort of had Horner getting at Hamilton for it being a hollow victory, and that he was saying he was desperate. And maybe there's a bit of truth to that. You had Wolf coming back and saying, no, you know, it was a race an incident. It takes two to tango. You had Max on Instagram afterwards, who was pretty ruthless. And, you know, usually F1 drivers are pretty. PR friendly, they don't really like to say anything controversial, but Max was straight on it, he said he's fine, but he said it was disrespectful, it's unsportsmanlike for Hamilton for celebrating his victory and Hamilton as well hit back and said that he won't be bullied into being less aggressive so this war of the words is exactly what this title fight needed before it was all a bit friendly, it was all a bit oh, Red Bull were faster, oh no Mercedes were faster, but now the gloves are off and I'm really looking forward to the next round well, obviously, with Max's comments uh, on Insta after the race on Sunday, it was in the heat at the moment, and I don't blame him for being angry. He was obviously, you know, he had that awful crash, and I really do hope he is doing better now. Um, and you know, Lewis won the race. I think that couldn't have gone any worse for Max Verstappen. But I do think now that it's simmered down a bit, and I. Th- Thinks I've seen somewhere today that they have had a talk, um, which I think is good that they, you know, want to hold out an olive branch. I mean, at the same time, there isn't really much to say. What's done is done. Um, but I think it's good that they are able to have that chat, show that level of respect to each other, especially in this championship fight. Yeah, we're not going to talk too much about the incident. If you want to hear everyone's thoughts on the incident, listen to the post-race show that was recorded on Sunday. But very quickly, one word answer. Whose fault do you guys think it was? Max, Lewis or a racing incident? Lewis 60-40. Ooh, I'm saying racing incident. Sorry, I know there wasn't one word, but I thought it was I'm with Charlotte. I think it was a racing incident. I think 60-40. 60-40. Yeah, I still think racing incident. I think it's too hard to say who was really more to blame. And especially after rewatching it and seeing all the lowdown on it, yeah, racing incident. Look at the YouTube biased British people. Unbelievable. <laughs> the incident itself is one thing, that's fine. But we talked about this on the podcast last week relating to the Euros final. 
I hoped we'd never have to talk about it again, but sadly we are. Lewis Hamilton, after that incident, was subject to some racial abuse online. Uh, you know what, Dan? It's it's kind of been brewing. I think F1 online communities are some of the most toxic places now. and They're up there with, with football. F1 fans, or not, oh, a, a small minority of them, are so ignorant online and... That's just not to do with race. That's just to do with any opinion towards any other driver who maybe isn't their favourite. But when it boils over into racism and something like that, it's just completely unacceptable in sport and in general society. And it's sad that we see this, but thankfully, um, a lot of the drivers spoke out against it, including Christian Horner. Well, he's not a driver, but the team spoke spoke out against it, like Christian Horner. So it's good that, at the end of the day, rivalry aside... They're all united on this front. And there's been quite a lot of things happening recently in F1 which will hopefully increase the diversity within what is quite a homogenous sport. So looking forward to the changes soon. But yeah, definitely no excuses for what we saw after the race on Sunday. Yeah, I literally just want to second what Jay said. It's completely disgusting and just just sickening to see these comments put out online just because... Lewis Hamilton won but there's no need for racist abuse yes okay he may have not been the one you wanted to win but it just doesn't condone that sort of behavior and I really hope that we can actually start to come together like the teams have said and you know we are at the end of the day everyone loves the sport and that's what it should be down to do you know what as well I was gonna add is that as a fan of the sport you're allowed your opinion you're allowed to think that that crash was fully Hamilton's fault you're allowed to think that Hamilton got lucky or this happened that favoured him but that's not an excuse to be racist towards someone I mean there is no excuse to be racist towards someone at all and the fact that we've seen this is really really sad and I, I hope that the social media companies where this kind of hate has been spewed upon take action to remove it because if you try to look at like F1 highlights on Twitter or Instagram straight away they're taken down but why is that not the same for people spreading hate on their platforms? Yeah, you look at platforms like Instagram where you just need to type any word related to COVID and they flag it up instantly and they're like, COVID this, COVID that. Surely they can do the same with anything to do with racism, sexism, anything like that. It's just, I think social platforms are slightly to blame. And in a way, this was more shocking given that the Hamilton Commission had been released in the week prior to the British Grand Prix. Jay, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so this is something that I think Hamilton's been working on for a few years. Apparently, it stemmed back from he's he had a team photo at the end of the 2019 season when he won the championship, and he just looked at it and he said, it's not diverse enough. So over the last, say, 18 months or so, he'd been working on this report, and it came out uh, just before the British Grand Prix, and it had some uh, interesting aspects of it, and it was all about trying to increase the diversity and get more black people into motorsport and Formula One. So... And one of the key things was, or key recommendations the report made was greater accountability for teams, for uh, bosses, for Formula One in general, to have sort of tra- diversity charters. I know recently, especially in the UK, quite a lot of like large companies have been posting like gender wage gap reports, anti-slavery reports. So it's along those kind of lines where we have a bit more transparency by these bodies. Also better engagement and more opportunities for young people as well trying to get them into STEM projects so they can go on to become engineers and mechanics and also having more uh, black teachers in these roles to help inspire them. So 
it's all very very positive as well uh f1 have sort of had to come up with their own scheme to increase diversity so uh apparently chase kerry the non i think he's now officially the non-executive director of formula one he apparently donated a, a, a million dollars which is quite nice of him and that features things such as engineering scholarships um apprenticeships for mechanical engineering and internship programs from like a more market and a business's point of view for increased diversity within Formula One. So it's good to see that obviously F1 itself and with the, the work alongside Lewis Hamilton to try and improve the sport and make it a more open and diverse place to work. Yeah, I just think it's really brilliant that it does shine a light on the lack of diversity in the sport. And, you know, there aren't any future upcoming, you know, up and coming stars that are of colour, really, and, you know, from the black community. So it is important to have these uncomfortable conversations, and especially for Lewis, who is the only black driver in Formula One, and I think really in history, I think it's just really great that he's able to use his platform and really make a change for this sport and motorsport in general. So the thing with Formula One, Formula One is a it's a global sport, but when you look at 18 out of the 20 drivers on this year's grid are all white, mostly sort of European descendant. We can't truly say we're a global sport until we are having competitors all over the world. You think about it, Brazilians have such a illustrious history in Formula One. There's none. There's no African drivers. There's very few Asian drivers. I mean, obviously we have Sonoda, but there's none from, say, the Indian subcontinent. So it's quite, it's very under, it's not, it's not very diverse at all. Even though we are seeing more diversity within the sport, I feel like it's still got a long way to go until we can really say that we are truly a global inclusive sport and obviously you know the hamilton commission doesn't really like select on this but i think it's really important to have more women within motorsport and around the paddock you know with from the engineering side um and all other aspects like that so yeah just really want to see more of that yeah we spoke about this last week that's what w series brings as well isn't it all these these female role models for young girls whether it's the engineers who also could work in f1 whether it's the drivers in w series they all come together to create these role models that weren't there a few years ago and i think that is a really good step that f1 are taking with regards to gender and that you know there's still more work to do in all of these things but we're slowly moving in the right direction uh, sky sports is broadcaster this weekend was carbon neutral as well wasn't it well, I know F1's was definitely carbon neutral. I think Sky, they just had little green things on their microphones to pledge their allegiance to being carbon neutral. I know that they did do quite a lot of things to reduce their, their footprint for this weekend. But no, it's good that not only the teams, but also the media side of things are trying to improve the sport any way they can. And I know a big thing for Formula One is to go carbon uh, net carbon zero. I think that's the word by 2030 and uh, they were using like less uh, machines which required less energy they were using hybrid cars so it's good that obviously the diversity point is very important but f1 are trying to set up like these pillars for the future which is going to make it a better place to work and a better place to be a fan so it's good that yeah we're seeing quite a lot of improvements across the board for formula one and i know sustainability is a big part of their plans and then in relation to sustainability we all knew that sebastian vettel was a great guy anyway but he was pictured after the race picking up litter in the grandstands he's been to the waste disposal unit today after his pirelli tire test yesterday to see how it all gets recycled but what a man it's just really amazing to have you know 
Sebastian Vettel of all people, four-time world champion, stay off the race and go through the grandstands and pick up rubbish from the fans, you know? Obviously, he didn't have the best race on Sunday, but it's really inspiring for the future generations and in general, just people <laughs> to see that. And it's just, yeah, really inspiring. I love that. I think it's really good as well that we have these two stalwarts of F1. You have Hamilton, he's pushing for more diversity, more inclusion on one side of things. And he's a seven-time world champion. He's a huge name. And I know Vettel's maybe not quite on the same platform as Hamilton. And he's probably no longer the second biggest driver now. You've got Leclerc and Verstappen batting around. But he's still a major, major player. He's a four-time world champion. And to have these two guys at the top, but really pushing for improvements within the sport... It's really good for F1 as a whole. Okay, moving away from the development and I can't say that word. George Russell had an all right weekend. I feel like it could have been better. This wasn't really covered on the post-race show, so we're just going to talk about it a little bit now. He got into Q3 on the Friday, which was brilliant for the British fans, unless you're me and a Bottas fan. Um, but then he just kind of got further and further backwards as each session went on. What are your guys' thoughts on his weekend? It's hard. I think it's hard for George because over one lap, he's excellent. And, you know, I mean, the car doesn't maybe come into it as much as it would over 52 laps. So, I mean, he was brilliant on Friday night. When did he come? Eighth? Eighth or seventh? Seventh or eighth. And he beat, beat signs in a Ferrari. He beat Vettel in the Aston Martin. Saturday, he was really good. I know he hit signs out and he got a penalty for that but he managed to hold his place within the top 10 I that was a harsh say, penalty though even as a Bottas fan I'm going to say that was the harsh penalty harsh but probably probably fair he did just whack signs straight across the, the grass at Luffield and then it's hard for him I think it's tough because 52 laps to keep all of those cars behind you who are obviously much past on race pace it's tough I think he had a good weekend he can hold his head up high in front of his home fans yeah, Friday was just electric. Like, I was jumping up and down in my living room. I was so excited and happy, especially when he did that last lap. And it, Well, I think it was his last lap in Q3. And he was basically just doing it almost like a lap of honour because he was the only guy on track. And just everyone, minus Dan, was cheering for him. It was just amazing to see. But yeah, it's a shame about Saturday. He had that harsh penalty, which put him behind. And then Sunday, just... Couldn't, you know, drop two places after uh, the first lap and couldn't really get it going. But, you know, still holding hopes for George. I think George said as well after the race that it's so tough to keep all of them guys behind when they're better machinery. And even though he can do it on a on a Friday this week or normally a Saturday during qualifying, to keep them behind for 50, 60 laps is not impossible. So good weekend for George, I'd say. But I'm sure, Dan, you're going to move it on to a certain person who you think had a good weekend yeah Valtteri Bottas I think he I think he had a decent weekend you know it's not his strongest weekend that he's ever had it's certainly not the weakest weekend he's ever had he you know he came third on Friday third on Saturday third on Sunday consistency is key so remember that um he played the team game a lot as well and you know there's been times this season where I feel like he could have been supported a bit better by the team, but after the race on Sunday, Toto Wolf actually congratulated Valtteri and said that he had a brilliant weekend and he played the team game really well. And he said that's really important to have. So I don't know if this has just swayed the 2022 seat a little in Valtteri's favour. I mean, you know, ho hold on. <laughs> I don't know about 2022 as of yet, but I will say he did play the team game really well. 
Um, you know, F1 posted a video today on their socials showing that he was having a look if there was damage on Lewis's car after the incident. And as well, you know, he did concede to Lewis really well, not, you know, in his way, all went fine. And he kept P3, you know, he didn't have that problem with Lando Norris later in the race. So, yeah, I would say Bottas did well. It was nice to see him on the podium. But I just want him to be more racy, if I'm being honest. I just want him to have that attack and you know that Lewis does I just don't feel like we have that I know he's playing the team game Dan but I, I just want a bit more sometimes you know Total Wolf's comments were more of a, a pick me up for Bottas rather than a like a well done because it, it must be quite demoralising for Valtteri to have you know like say oh, you've got to come past like would you got to let Lewis pass would, would Mercedes honestly say to Lewis Hamilton drive past alongside Bottas and check the damage on the side of his car I don't think they would and do you remember at the start of the season uh, Barcelona and uh, Bottas was told to let Hamilton buy it and he defended him quite ruthlessly it's like now he's kind of accepted that he's out of the championship and the only way that he's going to maintain that Mercedes seat is by playing the team game and that's I guess that's the decision for Total Wolf to make. Does he want raw pace, a young gun with loads of potential, or does he want a safe pair of hands who can help the team to achieve their goals in beating Red Bull? I think Hamilton really wants Bottas to stay next year because, you know, he's said a lot recently that they've got like a really good dynamic between the two of them. Hamilton let Bottas pass in Austria, so he wanted to show there that he could do it the other way round. I don't know. I don't think this 22 seat's decided at all. And we've got a long time yet before yeah, we'll agree. get we'll hear anything, I think. I agree. I, I, I don't think it's decided yet. I think it's it's probably still maybe slightly in Russell's favour. But Bottas playing that team game is... he's It's a good thing to have in your CV, especially at a, a championship winning team. I also think it's good that, obviously, they haven't said they decided anything, but they didn't announce a Russell you know, signing for 2022. Because if that was the case, we probably wouldn't have seen the performance from Bottas this weekend. Um, You know, he probably would have not really wanted to help the team as much as he did. So, yeah, I think it was a good move. Still a lot of time to think about what they want to do. I guess we've got to wait and see. There's things that sway in both their favour. That's the thing, you know, as you said, Russell's that up-and-coming talent that, you know, most people, not me, but most people want to see in that Mercedes but Bottas has the fact that it's a regulation change on his side, so therefore he brings consistency. He has the fact that, you know, he's got that experience. He works really well with Lewis. It, I don't know what way this is going to go. I really don't. I, I'm, not, I'm not as sure as many people are that, this, that it's Russell's seat to lose. I'm, I don't know. It's, I think it's a really interesting point that Charlotte makes, that it suits Mercedes, like if they are going to sign George Russell, it suits them to hold on to, like, to keep thing, people questioning for longer. Because if they were to say this weekend, say, say well, like, everyone thought they were going to nuts Russell at his home Grand Prix, then Bottas, he has no sort of motivation to play the team game. Well, if they delay it until November time, then, I mean, obviously it's not good for Russell, it's not good for Bottas, because they don't know what, what their future holds. But it ensures that Bottas plays a team game I mean I'm sure if Bottas was let go for next season he wouldn't just completely just suck it off and give up because I don't think he's that kind of guy I think he's a very professional driver but in terms of motivation and having that carrot on the stick 
it might suit them to delay the announcement. I mean, I know they did say summer break, so might find out soon in next month. Yeah, only one race until the summer break, Hungary. So uh, maybe we'll find out between Hungary and Spa. Who knows? I don't think we will. I think it will just keep being, yeah, well, nothing's decided yet for quite a few months. But who knows? Who knows? Uh, moving on, there's a new F1 game out, F1 2021. There is indeed, and I've had the the pleasure of playing it for about a week now, actually. It's got quite a few new game modes. It's got a brand new uh, story mode called Breaking Point, which is quite interesting. You are like this young, upcoming driver called Aiden Jackson, and you've got a, an experienced but slightly, what's the word, jealous teammate, maybe? And then this uh, Dutch guy called, what's his name? Ackerman, his name's Ackerman, that's his name. And it's sort of reminiscent of the Hamilton Alonso sort of thing in 2007, when Alonso was an experienced wild old fox and Hamilton was like a young gun with the raw pace and there was a bit of tension there. It sort of follows on that kind of dynamic. Uh, they've also added a new two-player career mode, so you can play career mode like you could usually, but you can play a lot of a friend now, that's pretty cool. The only thing is, is that if you are looking to play some of the tracks from this season, you can't yet. They haven't added in Imola or Portimao or Saudi Arabia yet. They're going to come as a, a later update. And also tracks like Turkey probably won't feature either on this game. So there's that to weigh up. But on the whole, it's a really, really interesting, really good game, I think. The engine noises sound really good. The graphics are really good, especially on the new generations of consoles on the PlayStation and on the new Xbox. So definitely worthwhile looking at if you're into that kind of stuff. And yeah, I would recommend it. I'm not being paid, by the way, to say that. <laughs> it does feel like a spawn. We are we are not sponsored yet, but if anyone does want to sponsor us, you know, Codemasters, <laughs> yeah. you know, just let us know. We'll, we'll happily, just not happily honest, take us. Just an honest opinion. We'll happily take a sponsorship if you want. But that was Jay's honest opinion on the game. Uh, back to real life. We saw the 2022 car at Silverstone, which looks pretty nice. I've, I've got to admit, it's it's pretty nice. Yeah, seeing it in person definitely made me like it even more than I did when I first saw it unveiled. I thought it looked really cool. The new tyres, so much larger, like it was 13 inches originally and now we're up to 18 inches. And obviously this, the new specifications are hoping to make closer wheel-to-wheel -wheel racing with the new aerodynamic changes. But yeah, I think it looks pretty sick. <laughs> yeah, no, um, to be honest, they make it look as horrific as they want, as long as they provide good racing, I'm not that bothered. I mean, with the, uh, was it the 25th? 14, 2013 cars when they had those weird things on the front which definitely weren't PG so they were ugly but th that was a pretty good season so if they provide good racing I mean myself and Charlotte spoke to um, Craig's Carbon every week and he was sort of saying how the racing should be improved the field should be closer together my only fear with this new regulation change is will we just get one team we just nail it off the back and at the front of the grid and then all this work we've had now where Red Bull were close to Mercedes and now like McLaren and Ferrari a bit closer to them. Well, that will be undone and we just have a season where one team dominates, which I'm sure we don't want. And speaking of 2022, we've got a team that is remaining in Formula One. Jay, over to you. Well, not so much remaining. So obviously Sauber are technically Alfa Romeo, but Alfa Romeo just pay a bit of money to be a title sponsor for the team to promote, I guess, their road cars or something like that or their performance cars. But anyway, yeah, it's good to see that they're sticking around in Formula 1. It keeps a nice name on the grid. I quite like Alfa Romeo. I quite like their liveries as well. The only thing as well that's quite interesting from this new agreement is that they still have to keep one Ferrari driver 
or Ferrari driver from the, their academy in one of their seats. But Giovinazzi could be sticking around next year. It's an interesting dynamic and it kind of excludes maybe returns or seats for other drivers because there's only really one real seat there for experienced drivers. So you wouldn't see maybe Bottas go to Alfa Romeo if he gets kids to have Mercedes or you wouldn't see Albon maybe go there or Hulkenberg maybe. I feel like I mentioned a guy every week, but he could probably go. He could probably, he'd find it harder to get into there because they have to keep one of those seats free for basically Ferrari to choose and next season it'll probably be between Mr. Calamalo or Mr. Antonio Giovinazzi, aka Mr. Beautiful Head Jesus. <laughs> okay, before we end the show, we're just going to look back to our predictions for the British Grand Prix last oh, week. No. The one bold prediction that we made each. Charlotte, do you want to go first? Remind everyone of your prediction. Okay, well... Here we go. So my prediction was that Lewis would get pole, win, and fastest lap. Now here's the confusing thing. I didn't say what kind of pole that he would get. <laughs> Don't no, try that. Hang about, hang about, hang about. Pole is on a Saturday and he did not get that. Well, he you... did get pole on Friday. So, you know, no, got not bad. Speed King was his award, not pole. I do actually want to agree with Charlotte because... Thank you, Jay. There is no way that the sprint race winner should be given pole the, the sprint race winner or sprint qualifier winner should be given some kind of special accolade in the history books the rules. in the history books <laughs> Max Verstappen got pole at the British Grand Prix when he really didn't but obviously that is the rules and I am quite a big fan of regulations and tradition so actually not tradition but you know what I mean so yeah he didn't win I'm afraid Charlotte but it was a good effort but yeah, so he didn't you know, get fastest lap either. He didn't get fastest oh, lap, yeah. but he did get the win, and you know that was amazing, especially from the British crowd. You know, I was excited. I'll tell you that much. I was loving it. It was such a great atmosphere, and I'm really happy for Lewis. Yes, it was a bit controversial, but still, it was great. So there you well, go. You can have a third of a point. You can have That's a third of a bad. point. Then. Third of uh, I'm doing really good. Are we really giving out thirds of points? I did get a third. No. Stop, Jay, you do you want to remind everyone of your prediction? Uh, it's one on one driver. <laughs> uh, I said, I said uh, Aston Martin would come in the top six. I, I felt maybe a bit nostalgic, a bit patriotic. Ah. You know, like ah. the factories across the road from the circuit. To be fair, I wasn't that far away. I wasn't that far away. Yeah, Stroll did quite well. Stroll did really good. Stroll was probably yeah. the most underrated driver from the weekend. He wasn't that good on Saturday and Friday, but end of race he was superb came eighth and you know what yeah Sebastian Vettel on during the sprint race and during the first half a lap before he decided to just have a little spin he was looking racy as hell I thought you know what he's actually gonna like, give it a bit of a Vettel masterclass and come you know like, good point playing position but it kind of was uh, the Vettel of, of old of, of new times I should say Vettel of new times where he just Spinned around on the grass, and then from there it was all a bit downhill. But yeah, I'm afraid no points for me this week. But I was close, so if Charlotte gets a third of a point for being close, I think I should get a third of a point for being close as well. No, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't even you weren't that close. Um, I was two away. That's not too bad. I said Lando would qualify in the top five and score a podium. So I got half because he did qualify in the top five on Saturday, oh, which is qualifying. Go. But he didn't get a podium. He came fourth, unfortunately. I can't believe this. I can't believe it. Charlotte made three <laughs> predictions. You made two predictions. And you give yourself points for making... No, no. Jay, right. it's your fault. You need to learn on these no, predictions. This make week, two right. or three. Next week, when we do a Hungarian Grand Prix predictions, yeah, I'm making sure you say one thing and one thing only, because this is ridiculous. 
All right, we're going to mix it up a little bit this week. Just just had this idea. It's literally just popped into my head. We're still going to do predictions. I want you to predict a bit of news that you think is going to break in the next week. News? Base it on fact, obviously. Do okay. you think Russell will sign in the next week? Do you think Bottas no. will sign? Some big bit of news that you think Jeez. is going to happen in the next you know week. And if you, you're right, you become legendary. You this put us impossible. on the spot. You put us on the spot. But I have thought something. I think... What? I oh think a race will be cancelled later on in the season. It'll either be Mexico, Brazil, or Japan. One of them will be cancelled and they'll be replaced by a European Grand Prix. I'm, I'm, I'm quite proud of that, to be fair. That's a really good one. I'm going to predict that Alonso's future will be decided whether he continues to re sign with Alpine after 2022 or if it's not. That's my prediction. I think that Helmet Marco is going to actually launch a legal case against Mercedes, which I think is bold because it seems just stupid. I don't think he'd do it, but he does seem like that kind of guy that would try and get something out of nothing just for the sake of it. You know, he left the track halfway through the race, for God's sake. He was fuming. So I reckon that he is going to launch a legal case against Mercedes and it's all going to go spiralling downhill. Well, I don't know if it was him, but I know that someone in Red Bull wanted a race ban against Hamilton. So, you know what? It was probably him. It was yeah. him. It was him. I it mean, for a doctor, he's not very smart, is he? It's going to come for you now, Jake. But, you know, he's good. Yeah. I, like, I like him on Marco. He's a good character for the sport. He, he adds to this, 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 this combat. I love it. I love, I love the action. I love it. it. F1 needed this. The championship needed this. It needed it. It needed it for the Rosberg point of view. I think Hamilton and Verstappen can go on to be one of the great rivalries. I'm talking Mansell PK levels. I'm talking Prost Senna levels. Schumacher Hill levels. It's got all Woo! the ingredients to be that good. And I think this moment on Sunday was the tipping point. And I cannot wait for the future. Yeah, neither can I. I can't wait for what for what the future of F1 holds. And I'm hoping the rest of this season is going to be just as exciting as it has been already. Because it's been good so far. Uh, as you said earlier, Hungary up next. Hamilton's normally very good at Hungary. Could he close the championship gap? Who knows? We have to wait. We'll revisit our predictions. We'll cover the news. All that to look forward to next week. But that is all we've got time for on this week's show. Thank you guys very much for coming along. Thank you, Zeva Dan. Thanks, Dan. And a great time, as always. We will be back next week. Bye.